0: I am stupid. I am stupid. I am stupid.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Figuring Out the Formula podcast. I'm Kyle, joined as always with Chandler and Pat. Uh, We are here to talk about the Miami Grand Prix. So it was, it was pretty good. uh, Grand Prix. I thought it was a lot better than the Baku. Azerbaijan grand prix last week it was our first double header back-to-back races it wasn't bad it wasn't as cringy as last year the racing was pretty good in my opinion we'll talk about that a little bit later but let's just jump right in so for the practice session of this race weekend you guys have anything that you want to talk about any drama any crazy stuff taylor swift with another driver anything like that
0: so the biggest thing I think that happened uh, in between our, our race periods was um, Adrian Newey actually extended his contract with Red Bull, uh, of which, for those of you that don't know, Adrian Newey is the main designer of the Red Bull car. Um, he used to work for McLaren and Williams, won championships with both of them. There's um, been a contractor with Red Bull for I don't even know how many years now. Uh, But he's, he's essentially the one responsible for Red Bull being a rocket ship um, of which for me being a Red Bull fan, this is great news. Uh, Our success will probably continue um, for the foreseeable future, but uh, for everyone else, it's, it's pretty much their worst nightmare.
1: So Adrian Newey is considered to be the arrow God. So arrow is a huge part of what formula one is. It, is how the car sticks to the ground. It's how it gets all its downforce. Straight line speed, everything has to do with aero. Well, like Pat said, Adrian Newey, the Red Bull Chief Technical Officer, signed a longer term extension, Christian Horner said. So there's no details on how many years, how much money he's making, that kind of thing. But you can can be sure that it's a pretty penny for him to stay at Red Bull.
2: Absolutely, I mean, if nothing else, the work of Adrian Newey, you look and see from not just this weekend, which we'll get into, but, you know, we've talked about it before this season of just how, like, unfair it is with the Red Bull with that DRS is just, that's the work that, like, Adrian Newey's an expert in, and clearly it's not just him. it's He has taught his team and the folks that work directly underneath him how to just manufacture a masterpiece. It's Make- just awesome.
1: An equivalent in football is peak Marshawn Lynch going up against peewee footballers. Like mm-hmm. there's they don't stand a chance. This dude is way better than everybody else. There's no way for them to catch up.
2: Yeah. Like, so. like the video of the Blooper, the mascot, Yeah, just hitting
1: the hitting the little kids with the little uh, stiff arm of yeah. Heisman. Yeah, that's about it. But I mean, there really wasn't much drama. Like we said, this was the first double header of the season. So there really wasn't much that went on between races. Um, Why don't we just jump right into practice? The first thing that I noticed was that there was no grip at all at the Miami GP.
0: Yeah. uh, I think that there were reports that they had actually just resurfaced the track again, like right before the race um, of which it's, it's already tough for Miami because it's a football stadium normally. Um, and so they can't quite do all the regular maintenance that you know a track such as like spa or somewhere can do um and then coming with that is the fact that because it's just resurfaced there's no rubber on the track um and i don't i don't know if they had it this year um, if any of our viewers went uh definitely let us know how it was but last year when i went there really wasn't a lot of preliminary racing like there are at other circuits and so you don't get all that extra rubber, and then you don't really have any grip. Um, and I think it, it was uh, Checo that had mentioned, it was almost like they were driving on, on intermediates where you'll see in a race where there's just one dry line, and if they touch anything else, they're just going to spin out and crash.
1: So when <clears> you say rubber on the track, what do you mean? Like, obviously, the tires wear down. We've talked about in the past, tire compounds, soft, medium, hard. So laying rubber of, on the track, what, is that, what, has, what does that have to do with the Miami GP?
0: So when when the cars are, are driving around, they're actually flying tiny little pieces of the tires everywhere. Um, actually, when I was in Miami last year, we could get so close that there were pieces of tires flying into my drink. Um, and those will hey, fly off the you car. You pay
1: extra for that one, Cotton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah. Chris, Chris told me, hey, come here and watch this. And all of a sudden, my drink is just covered in rubber um but because it's it's so hot in the operating conditions of the tires it gets actually stuck to the ground and then mm-hmm. as more drivers go over there and over there um it gets stickier and stickier and provides you a better line for more grip versus you know a piece of fresh asphalt that's just very smooth rock mm-hmm. that can honestly just send you sliding if you just don't take it the right way
1: yeah now that makes sense it's definitely a little weird because the track is only 2 years old and they already resurfaced it. I know there were some issues between practice qualifying in the race where the Miami got rain and it washed away all the rubber. So they basically had a fresh canvas where they had to recreate the lines, the racing lines. So that was definitely a difficulty, but, you know, maybe that's what led to. Hulkenberg, Nico Hulkenberg, he crashed in FP1. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah I, mean, I mean, it's just kind of the thing of new group. And and this is Nico, because I know Nico sat in with um, Aston Martin a little bit last year, but I think he, that was that stint was already overcome Miami. So this was Nico's first experience seeing uh, Miami, which is not that huge of a deal because this is everybody else's second experience other than the rookies. Um, and so... You know, just not knowing the track that well, and again, the unknown of repaving it, because, you know, the running joke in F1, like the old Las Vegas Grand Prix from years ago, which if you want to go down a YouTube rabbit hole or just Google that, and they literally turned the Caesars parking lot into a multiple turn track. This is kind of a parking lot uh, at the Miami Hard Rock Stadium, Um, and so... (laughs) New, t- new track, I mean, like if some of the aerial views we saw this weekend were like an exit ramp from the interstate to the parking lot would we'll just cross right over the track and they paved over that. So um, just not having the grip, not having the little bit of experience, um, you know, kind of, uh, we saw this, this was going to be the first of multiple people, including some very experienced drivers, um, just losing the rear and uh, spinning out and and like having trouble with the grip.
1: Yeah, the grip was, it was basically what happened, like we were talking about, like where you're on the racing line and if you go just a little bit off of the racing line, you lose all grip whatsoever. Whether that hits the marbles, like Pat was talking about the little rubber pieces, they're called marbles. Whether you hit the marbles or you're just off the racing line, once you're off of it, you're off and you're going towards a wall. Luckily, most of the turns where the drivers were off the racing line and experience trouble. It was enough runoff room to where they didn't hit the walls. Unfortunately, Nico was not that case. He actually hit the wall and that was the end of his day. That was only FP1. So they had plenty of time to repair the car, that kind of thing.
2: didn't have to worry about a sprint either.
1: Yeah. We, we talk about, you were talking about earlier with the rookies and kind of how this is their first go at the Miami GP. Well, last week we talked about the rookies having mentorships, that kind of thing. Like Oscar has Lando, you know, Logan Sargent has Alex Albon. But we also discussed how Nick DeVries has Yuki Sonoda as a mentor. Well, Yuki is a fireball. He is three foot two. He's twinning with Yoda. Like the dude is tiny little rabbit. He's the nicest guy ever until he puts on his helmet. Well, during the broadcast of the practice sessions, Jensen Button, a former world champion in F1, he described Yuki Tsunoda as a terrier. So a terrier like our good friend Drew Ferguson is very (laughs) tiny, very riled up, ready to go, angry if something doesn't work out their way. That is exactly what Yuki is. And I think Jensen personified that perfectly.
2: I think it's a great analogy and just, just perfect. That's like, I I never would have thought of it, but then as soon as he said it, it just, it makes sense.
1: Bro, anytime Yuki's name pops up on the coverage, like you see their name pop up on the lower right-hand corner of their radio, I just know it's going to be a bunch of stars with beep, beep. You, you oh just, yeah you just know it's gonna happen oh as soon as, as, soon as it comes
0: like i just brace everybody I tell everybody to stop they the doing, stop <laughs> talking like we have to hear this <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. which i do i do actually I need, I need to start listening to the the actual um like team radios throughout the race they are uncensored
1: yeah you have to push um, your sky red button 20 yeah. times and pay four hundred dollars per race <laughs>
2: And I mean, we a Yuki YouTube channel that would actually post it afterwards. I don't know. I, have, I haven't looked up. I don't think they've posted at all this year. I don't know if, if Liberty and the Formula One management have like copyrighted all of it, but you could go back and listen. I'm sure on the F1 app you could listen, but man, there's some golden Yuki Sonota
1: clips. Got to be. I know NASCAR does uh, radioactive, uh-huh. where, they, where they have filtered and unfiltered radio contact uh, throughout the actual cup race. It'd be cool if F1 got back into that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I love hearing the drivers like curse or like talk smack about each other in the middle of a race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it'll be interesting to see if AlphaTauri just keeps putting up with that. I know they had a lot of issues with that in his first year um, where he was basically just telling his team to shut up and let him do the driving, even though he wasn't really driving that well. But I'm, I'm all here for it. Um, I definitely definitely want to hear some some more chirps from drivers on the air if we can get them. Um I don't know if it's just hard for them to pick them up during their broadcast or not though.
1: Well, we, it's it's hard to not just pick them up, but it's hard to filter what they're saying because it true. is a international broadcast. Some countries are a lot less lenient on the things that some of these drivers say so i understand why they don't promote it but that's what social media is for social media is a back channel of what people want to hear but you can't really post yeah lifetime you know what i mean
2: yeah just keep feeding me some your weekly fernando Alonso like pleasant drive in the countryside radio <laughs> messages
1: Speaking of that, I think that there was one driver who we wanted to hear the radio, but it's probably a good thing that we didn't. Uh, It was Charles Leclerc in FP2. Old son just wrecked. I mean, same thing like we were talking earlier. He just got off the racing line and it was gone. Yeah, Um, of which Charles' radio is always great. Um, He finds
0: kind of the the worst and best ways to put himself down. I remember a couple of years ago in Baku when he hit straight into the wall in Baku, he just goes, I am stupid, I am stupid, I am stupid. And then on the other Mm -hmm. hand, you have like France last year where he crashed and screamed no as loud as he possibly could. (laughs) Um, And I'll talk about it more like when we get to qualifying um, but at this point it kind of feels like he's honestly going a little bit insane, trying to push himself so hard to keep up.
1: Um and- he, he is, but I I think if we're talking about the radio, I think both him and Carlos Sainz's radio, normally their radio transmissions when they play it on TV, sounds a little something like this. <coughs> like I don't know if they're speaking Italian or if there's I need subtitles here's or if they're speaking, they're speaking in, in radio waves, live example, Ferrari has something wrong with their radio system. I don't know if they understand that or not, but I need subtitles anytime that shit pops up on the right hand side. Cause any other radio I can understand on the broadcast and then Charles or Carlos comes on and it's, it's like, they're just right. you... speaking in spaghetti. We can't understand it. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're speaking in hey, yeah. the, the gabagoo. Yeah. I don't know. So that was pretty much it for the practice session. I think as we move into the qualifying session, I would actually like to hear from Patrick to see what's going on in Pats Paddock this week. What we're going to talk about is
0: Liberty Media. Um, so Liberty Media, for those of you that don't know, is the company that actually owns Formula One. Um, they actually also own the Atlanta Braves for all of our baseball fans out there. Um, now, they own Formula One, and then the FIA is actually responsible for just the racing part. Liberty Media handles everything else. Now, the way they handle this is through a sub company that they have called Formula One Management. Um, Formula One Management, they're responsible for everything from like... The broadcast to you know what bartenders and security is used to the actual construction of the track for the weekend, um, anything like that. Now, I do know there are some issues last year, um, when I went from like bartenders and things like that not getting paid because for Miami, actually, Hard Rock Entertainment actually runs all the stuff that Formula One management does for. You know any kind of track set activities and things like that. So if you have anyone out there that went, uh definitely let us know how your experience was this year. Definitely want to hear if it improved or not. Now this year, um, and we'll we'll get towards more of this in the race section, um, they decided to have um a couple of different things like a, a new driver intro. Um we had some pretty good uh grid walks and good interviews there. Um, but they're essentially responsible for all that stuff that is not a part of the racing. All of the spectacle of Formula One, that's everything done by Liberty Media.
1: The hype. They're, yes, Liberty, Media the hype. Is, Liberty Media is the hype man telling you to take a tequila shot and hop up on the table with that bad bitch. Right. That's and Liberty Media. Stefano Domenicali, the,
0: the CEO, um, essentially the showrunner of Formula One, Um, He said in the past that he he wants F1 to be like the Super Bowl every weekend. Um, And I think that they're they're using Miami and they're also going to use Las Vegas as kind of the proving grounds for that. And then eventually try to take, you know, all this glitz and spectacle and things like that to the other races. Um, Of which, as I said, we'll talk about it more later, but um, it's really just interesting to see the difference between like a race in America versus a race anywhere else.
1: Yeah, we were talking earlier about, you know, the radio contact and how some countries you can have cussing or you can have, you know, PG-13 cussing with a bleep like, you know, George Russell's, oh, sugar, you know, you can have that. Some countries, some countries you can't have anything but yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I understand Liberty Media is kind of different. They're behind the scenes. Like you hear about the FIA and all that all the time about what they do, what they don't do. The stewards versus the marshals or the race directors, that kind of thing. It's kind of confusing. It's I'm glad that you explained that this week on what they actually do. Um, we move in towards the qualifying section and the FIA became very important in qualifying this week. So we'll talk about the final running order of Q1, who is out in Q1, but I wanna start with the, there were two impedings and an unsafe release. The impedings are when a car is on a flying lap doing an actual qualifying timed lap and a car gets in front of them who's not on a flying lap. So they're warming their tires, they're cooling down, whatever it might be, but they get in the way of the car that's actually doing a time lap. So there were two instances of that. That is unacceptable. Yes, there's it's a gentleman' sport, just like golf. It's a gentleman' sport where if you see someone on a flying lap, you get the fuck out of the way so they can get their time
2: and from a safety aspect, a street course is even more imperative because, you don't have unless you're now Miami has a couple of really long straightaways for a street course, just like Baku did, but it's very tight. <clears throat> and one of the things that if you're coming around a corner and if you're like, if you're trying to warm the tires or if you're on an in lap or whatever um, and you are taking up the middle and somebody comes around the back, comes around the corner on a flying lap and boom, right there. I mean, that's putting yourself in danger. It's putting the drivers behind you in danger. So the imperative, like it is, of utmost importance to make sure that you're on the opposite side of the track from the racing line, whenever you're heating that up. And we saw this twice and really no repercussions of it.
1: Um, My thing is the drivers know when other drivers are on a flying lap and when they're not exactly there's Pat in episode two or three discuss the flags, a blue flag comes out when there's a driver who's, actually on a flying lap to let the drivers know, hey, get the fuck out of the way. Someone's coming at full speed. Two instances in one qualifying round is unacceptable. What's even more unacceptable is that the FIA, they noted the investigation. They noted the instances, but they did not punish the drivers. Nothing happened from that.
0: To me, this gets annoying because there's a very simple way to, I guess it's not quite as simple as I would think it would be, but this all starts with the FIA. The teams and the drivers, they all know where everyone is on track. That's their responsibility. Your race engineer is telling you who's coming behind, who's in front of you. At the end of the pit lane, there's literally colored lights that tell you if someone's coming around as you're exiting the pit lane. And you know, this is just a collective fuck up that we've actually seen a ton of times in the past and to where a lot of times some drivers don't even get to set a lap because there's so many other cars just sitting in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite know the best way to penalize drivers for it. If you know, it's maybe adding it's, a
1: couple <laughs> tens to their lap time no, or something like that. It, bro, it's easy. If it, you no, I, were to, if you were to impede in the race, if you were to impede a car that's on the lead lap and you're getting lapped, you get in front of them, You have the blue flag. You're shown the blue flag and nothing happens. You get in the way and then they lose a spot or they lose time or whatever it might be. I'm pretty sure it's a five second time penalty.
2: If not not a black, black and orange flag or black flag. I mean, one for this.
1: Yeah. So either your race is over or you get a five second time penalty. Well, in qualifying, it's even easier to see because it's basically one on one. So yep. if if you're a slow car not on a flying lap and you get in the way of a car on a flying lap, the FAA can see that just as we, the viewers, can see it, that you got in the way. That should be a five second time penalty. Easy. Whether that means your overall qualifying time or you have a five five place grid, grid penalty, it doesn't matter. Something. It's it's super simple to see. Now, yeah. I haven't dug into the rules, the FIA rules on what the actual penalty is. But my opinion is you have two instances in one qualifying session, like one Q1 session. Yeah, that's unacceptable. What's I definitely even, go ahead. Keep on. What's what's even more unacceptable than the impeding penalties was the unsafe release. So there was an unsafe release where basically in the paddock not Pat's paddock, just the regular paddock, a car pulls out in front of another car. Granted, the car that pulls out, whenever a car pulls out of the garage, it has its lead mechanic, you know, check and look, and then they clear them out, and then they go. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get into gear, that kind of thing. But in Q1, there was an unsafe release where a car got in front, cut off another car, and had to slam on its brakes, Take avoiding action. That and, is so dangerous.
2: And 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 my thought is is with this like so we see un uh, we've seen unsafe releases during the race. To me, like having an unsafe release in qualifying is ten times more unacceptable than during the race. Like in the race, like sure we're we're at, you're coming out of the pit stop trying to catch and the cars coming in for the pits. Fine, but, yeah, it happens. We're trying to yeah. get first out of the pit. But as you mentioned, Kyle, we have. The lead mechanic standing like two feet from the actual pit lane and looking and then saying, Okay, come on. The 80 kilometers an hour is what 40 miles an hour? (laughs) Like I don't know.
1: (laughs) Close (laughs) enough. Yeah, I don't fucking know. I'm American. What's Americans
2: that are just I'm ballparking here. Um
1: I know I know three grams and ten millimeter. That's about it. Sorry, buddy. I
2: I know that forty-five kilograms is a hundred pounds, but um the you like just say 40 to 45 miles an hour i mean that's a car coming down the highway which is fast but as long as the pit lane is the pit lane's not someone coming right around a corner that is you're standing there looking all the way down and you can see it and the lead mechanic will still say come on out and i get that there's one or two seconds of you know Maybe is this getting the gear? That kind of goes back on the garage of saying, okay, let's account for this and not wait until which I understand that the drivers are going to want to wait to like the very last minute to get their flying lap in to try and set that last minute time to move on through. But this is Q1 here where you might have like we, some of the, especially the top teams are going to go set their first lap and know, hey, we gave it eighty percent. That's good enough to get us in the top fifteen. There's absolutely no reason for this to happen, and I wouldn't. We I wouldn't be even be as mad about it if the FIA had penalized the situation. But it just went unregarded. It's like was the FIA even watching qualifying?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think- no, I I agree. So, one of the podcasts that I subscribe to is the Pit Stop Podcast. Um, really good guys. It's a great podcast. Go follow them. But they had a they had Mikey Brown, so Fernando Alonso's number one mechanic. And he talked about on their pod basically how long it takes for because he's the guy that goes out by the pit lane, looks to the left, looks to the right, and then clears Fernando to go and take off, whether that's qualifying or whatever practice. And He was saying like sometimes it takes a little bit for Fernando to get into gear and to go or whenever he sees him clear him to actually get the tires going, that kind of thing. So I get there's a little bit of a lag, but for there's no excuse for them to have a lag and to have an unsafe release and to not get a penalty. It doesn't matter if it's willful or unwillful, you still had an unsafe release. So for the FIA to have two impeding penalties and an unsafe release is insane.
2: Yeah. And that's, I guess what I was getting at was that that lag is only two to three seconds at the most. That's not going to make a difference in terms of if you cross the checkered line to start your flying lap with one second or zero seconds, you're still cutting it too close to that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. So but that happened in Q1. And in Q1, we had Logan Sargent out. Home Grand Prix grew up, you know, an ass hair. Grew up, yeah, he grew up an ass hair away from the Miami GP. So Logan Sargent was out. uh, Piastri, Stroll, Yuki, and Lando Norris was out in Q one. We talk about the impeding and the unsafe release in Q one. Well, what happens in Q two? The exact same fucking thing. A Haas unsafe release. Same thing, not called by the FIA. What the fuck are these guys even doing? There's no point. I mean, you might as well have Michael Massey over there jerking each other off. They don't even do any. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're
0: just sitting on their thumbs. Like, in the the past, for those of you that are really new to Formula 1, we had a lot of issues with like track limits not being called, where they would say at X corner yeah, track limits aren't being enforced, and then at Y corner, they're being enforced, and so you'd have every driver go wide and then randomly someone would get penalized for it, and then they eventually finally cracked down and said the white line is the white line, and you will get a penalty for it, of which they just need the same thing here. And 41 teams, you know, they're not going to change the way that they do things until they face a penalty for it. Um, You know, it's like, we're going to keep seeing unsafe releases and and things like that all the time you know we we don't get a ton of them every week but when they do it's like this can really ruin another team's day um, yeah and,
1: no which, you, you're 100 correct i mean when you have an unsafe release that means there's a car that's already in the way and it pulls out right and another car pulls out right in front of it which could lead to accidents it could lead to money being spent on a wing Gearbox, whatever it might be, that's that could be very costly. I think it's unfortunate that it happens, but I think it's more unfortunate that the FIA doesn't actually regulate its responses to it. Because let's say the Haas actually, you know, the Haas did pull out in front of another car. What if it hits that car? That car yep. can't stop. Who pays for that? Okay, well, no one's going to actually pay for that besides the team that has the wrecked car. But the team that hit that car should definitely get punished, whether that's a second penalty, whatever it might be. That's my opinion. Yeah, I definitely think that. Actually, that that's actually a pretty
0: idea if they were to start making teams pay each other for something like that, because, you know, if you if you crash into someone normally, it's. It's not like, oh, Ferrari crashes into Mercedes and then, you know, Ferrari pays them a million dollars. It's just, yeah, sorry, pal, I've ruined right.
1: both our days. Like Yeah, tough shit. I'd signed Carlos Sainz, you know what I mean? Like
2: El yeah. Torpedo.
1: Sorry. I definitely agree with that. That was Q2. You know, at the very beginning of Q2, Haas had an unsafe release. Nothing else happened in, during that session. Uh, in Out in Q2, we had DeVries, Joe Yu, We had Hamilton. Crazy first time ever in the United States where he qualified below the top six. Then we had Nico Holkenberg and then Alex Albon.
2: And and I will give some props. After last week, you know, I I made the comment that Nick DeVries stay in F1 might be short-lived. He makes it out of Q one. I mean, I give the guy props. Barely.
1: I, barely. <laughs> I, I,
2: you know what? He was into Q2. Um, so I'll give the guy props, you know. Um, I will recognize game, he beat both of my McLaren's and so you know well, I have a well, statement on McLaren later in the end of the show, but,
1: uh, well, but I, Chan Chan, you remember that statement about DeVries making it in a Q2 and how you're impressed with him and how you take back your comments. Just hold on to that till we get to the race, okay? okay. Um, so in moving into Q three, we have crazy, nothing happened. Except for one thing, towards the very ass end of Q3. So yeah. so you had you had Checo, he was making a killer lap. Set a killer lap, it was provisional pole, but Max was behind him. He was hauling ass. And then suddenly he got loose in one of the turns, I forget which turn, and he had to pull out of the qualifying. So He kept going, just not full pace, and then ended up qualifying P9. So you had Checo on provisional, Max at P9, and you're like, all right, that's fine. Max will just do another lap. Well, at a minute and 36 seconds left in the Q3 session, Charles Leclerc decided to... Yep, he decided to just crash. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Fuck Max.
2: Learn from practice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Charles Leclerc crashes and it led to a red flag of this session. Like I said, this was with a minute and 36 seconds left in the session. Q3, like we said before, last session ever before the actual race weekend. So this is to set the rest of the field it absolutely ruined Max's qualifying effort. Max was set to take the poll, but he had that bad lap, and then from there it was over.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think we talked about it before on an episode, but when it comes to qualifying or practices, um, the rule is you know red flag stops the session wherever it is. Uh, the rule in qualifying, I think practices as well, is that if the red flag occurs in the last two minutes of the session, then it's over with. Now, we've seen some pretty historical moments of this. Um, You know, the number one place that pops up to me is Monaco, um, where we've seen it before. But because there's less than two minutes, Chuck's crash stops everything right there with a red flag. And because it's under two minutes, the session will not resume. Everybody had been placed. And, you know, Max even alluded to this in his post-conference was that when he didn't get that first lap, it's kind of a, like, oh no, you know, if a safety car comes out late, we're screwed. Or the safety car red, a red flag comes out late, we are screwed. So that's really kind of the mindset with qualifying Q3 being <clears throat> 12 minutes, is get out early, get a good enough lap where if something happened and you couldn't go again, you'd be satisfied with what you got. And of course, Max had to abort, so he had. He had a time. I don't know why, for some reason. So, um, Valkyrie, Bottas, and um, Max, techno like Valkyrie's on the F1 app said did not start. And then Max's said did not finish. So, Max had a time, but it was because he backed out. It's probably like, you know, we're seeing minute 30s, minute 29s. His was well, like two minutes because he had a. Well,
1: with Max's time, he was. Starting his second flying lap. That's what it was. That's probably
2: is. Valtteri just never recorded a time like that was.
1: Well, Valtteri waited till about four minutes to go out Mm -hmm. to do qualifying. So he went out about four minutes. Let's say three and a half minutes. He was done with his. well, Well, we'll say closer to three minutes left in the session. Valtteri finished his his out lap and then ready to start his flying lap. He had started it, but then there was like traffic or something. So he pulled out, he was going to do one more out lap, you know, basically like ready to go, ready for my flying lap. And then that's when Chuck, Chuck crashed. And then he's like, all right, well. P10 is fucking damn good for Alfa Romeo. So he,
2: he, he kind of showed out. I mean, he, I don't know how high he would have gotten um, if he'd have set a time, maybe eighth. I mean, you just, I, so, yeah.
1: it, qualifying was pretty crazy. I know in Q1, the times from P20 to like P7, P8 were separated, you know, within the tenths of a second. Mm-hmm. So, it was very competitive. The track was very good at that point in time. Um, it was it was just very, it was very close. It was anyone's game to win or lose based off their lap. They ran a really good lap. They were making it to Q three. If they ran a decent lap, they were done. That's basically what happened. Uh, for Q three, the starting order for the top ten was uh, Perez, Alonso, Sainz, Magnussen, Gasly, Russell, Leclerc, Ocon, Verstappen, and Bottas. So the the key people in this was Verstappen starting ninth, and then you had Checo on the pole, Hamann Alonso in second, and Carlos Sainz in third. So I knew as soon as as this qualifying happened that. Fernando, it was his uh his podium to lose. So I decided on Sunday before the race to sport this classic tee, um brought to you by Etsy. <laughs> stand, up, stand up for
2: the crowd. All we can see is the 14 in the helmet.
1: All right, here you go, ladies and gents. Yeah, that's clean.
2: That is that is fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you know, I keep that thing on me. You know, McLaren makes me want to cry and punch a baby in the face. So I'm just, just going to hang out with the two-time world champion. That's some fine. People,
2: yeah, I, have, I have my prepared statement for
1: the end of the show. Some people call it uh, bandwagoning. Some people call it Yeah, <laughs> Swifting, whatever. I don't care. It is what it is. Fernando, we'll talk about it in a minute. Bro, he's so fun to just cheer on. He's a great guy and a hell of a racer. Let's move right into race weekend. Um, This has nothing to do with Alonzo, but it does have something to do with Chandler's uh, rookie crush, who he said a lot of shit about last week. So did I. But earlier in this episode, he said that he's improved and he's been really good. Great guy. Yuki's best friend, Nick DeVries. Well, I'm a huge Lando fan. For those of you who don't know...
2: Me too. I like, I'm Lando. I'm, yeah. I'm a guy.
1: Lando was the guy I chose when I watched Drudges Survive for the first time. Like This guy's awesome. I started watching his streams on Twitch. Great guy. Funny. This is my driver. Well, Nick DeVries' bitch ass decided to fucking rear-end Lando Norris
2: After Lando had a hellacious start. Looking at the overhead of like when I started, like you didn't see it obviously with the lights out from the front. The overhead angle when they showed about five to ten laps in, Lando was on a tear down the front straight.
1: Bro, you would have thought Lando was uh, Dom Toretto in the Miami Grand Prix. This motherfucker just shot in front of everybody. Passed Nick DeVries on the opening lap, gets into the first, second turn. boom, Nick DeVries is like, Uh, Brakes? Never heard of them. Sorry, I'm just gonna use your car as if we have fenders and not expensive-ass wings. Nick DeVries rear-ends Lando Norris, pushing him wide. Lando loses a shit-ton of fucking places. And Nick DeVries is still a short little bitch-looking elf motherfucker. Other than that, that's about it.
2: DeVries does look like a just an uppity, like, spoiled, like... Richie Rich is that like the old cartoon kid? Like, just
1: it, it is. But if if I had to compare Nick DeVries to anybody, it would be a South Pole elf, <laughs> not a North Pole, not the good elf, a South Pole elf who never gets any love. But that's just because he rear-ended Lando Norris. The thing that pissed me off, we were talking about the FIA earlier. The FIA didn't investigate that shit at all. They didn't even say it was a race incident. They just said no.
2: But it took them like eight laps to note it.
1: They noted it eight laps later, and then they didn't even say no investigation required. They just didn't do anything with it. It's like, what the fuck is the point of this? Well, I was just going to say, I think that, you
0: know, obviously, if there's someone out there that knows the rules really well, definitely correct me on this.
1: You're saying we don't? (laughs)
0: the, The guidelines for like first lap incidents are not consistent at all you know if there's like a huge crash or something you know they're just like okay whatever and then sometimes you'll have someone get hit and they're like okay five second penalty review and then for instance like this like uh nah sorry pal like take a fucking hike like see you next week and it just it's the same thing we were talking about with the unsafe releases like they just need to crack down on this stuff because you know, it's it's hard when cars are bunched up and everything, but when you just straight up run into the back of someone, like that's a whole different story. If you know you're getting pushed wide because there's four cars on the track where you're at. And I I think there definitely should have been a penalty there of you know, some way, shape, or form. A hundred percent.
1: He he ruined his race. He pushed them back. I mean right. he, he pushed them back. He probably lost what, five spots at least.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean in the at the end, from start of the race to the end of the race, he finned Lando finished um <clears throat> finished seventeenth. So he started in sixteenth, but so from he, start finishes only negative one. But he had made his way up to like thirteen. Yeah, that first long stretch, and that's Which, kind of, from from the start to that is not a long stretch in turn one to turn one from that this track. I <laughs> made some tremendous progress. No, he. Well, what, what
0: really sucks is that for McLaren, it's. If they don't ruin their own race at the beginning, someone else is going to do it for them at this rate. And who even knows if they're going to finish like half the races of the season in the top 10 just because either their car's dying or someone's crashing into them every single week.
1: Well, that was the thing later on in the race. Oscar Piastri, the other driver for McLaren, he was having issues with his car. They said it was a software issue, not mechanical. But his brake was long, which means it's It feels like your brake is fading. It's harder to brake at full power, which... You mean to tell me
2: that with sponsorships and digital screens on the car from both Google and Amazon Web Services, that we have a software issue. This is just another reason that I just fed up and I'll save my comments McLaren until the end of the show. Red Bull is still taking
0: applicants for fandom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is, but... So that was Nick DeVries. He rear-ended Lando Norris at the beginning of the race. Um, nothing really happened until the strategy aspect of the race came in. So we're, we talked a couple episodes ago about the strategy of the races with the tires. You know, you could run a medium for about 20 laps, and then you could go hard for the rest of the race. Or you could start with a hard tire and then move to a medium for the last part of the race. Well, that came into, well, that came into a big part of what actually happened during the race. Um, during the transition of that strategy, Carlos Sainz decided to pit, and he was changing his tires. Well, what happened was, old dude skirted right the fuck into the pit lane. I mean, he was hauling ass. I didn't know he was pitting at first. I thought he just locked up his brakes and was going straight into a wall. I was like, holy fuck, dude. And then I figured out, like, they actually zoomed in the camera on him. He was pitting to change his tires. Old son locked up his brakes, and he was hauling dick in the pit lane at the entrance. He pits, has an extremely fast stop gets out of there. I think it was like two point two one. I
2: just looked it up. It is the third fastest pit stop of the year. And Ferrari and kudos to Ferrari sidebar is that they still have the fastest pit stop with 2.1 in Saudi Arabia. Red Bull has a 2.11, I think also in Saudi Arabia. And then Ferrari has the three four and fifths quickest pit stops. Ferrari pit crew has just yeah. amazing this year. So and they that did that wood. part now Carlos helped him by getting into the pit a little extra quick, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that brings me to my point. So, Car- like Chandler said, Carlos Sainz had a 2.21 second pit stop. Fucking incredible. Great work. But then he also sped getting into his pit lane. So, the speeding penalty is five second ten- five-second penalty while in the race. So if he doesn't stop again, it's just five seconds added on to your final time. If you're in third place with a two second lead over fourth place, you're gonna fall behind fourth place because you have a five second time penalty. So that actually ended up happening. The FI did something for once they gave a penalty. Michael Massey's wiener got hard because of it. I don't know. But it was definitely something to talk about, because you don't really see a lot of speeding penalties in <clears throat> f one.
2: It's some you don't see a whole lot. Um, well, we saw really, I don't think we've seen a speeding penalty yet. i'm I'm trying to think if one of Esteban's twelve penalties in Bahrain was a speeding one, but i I don't think they were. So uh, we, we haven't seen one yet this year. It's usually we're good for seeing about three to four a season. I mean,
1: Yeah. Well, that was one of them, but we talk about the tire strategy, like I said, with the mediums to hard and then hard compound to soft, soft or hard to medium, whatever it might, might've been for this race weekend. Checo was by himself, the majority of the race. He started on a medium compound and then he went to a hard compound. Checo is the king of the streets. Like we've talked about before. But then he's also very, very good about saving his tires. Max Verstappen started in ninth place. And uh, Pat, bring us through his journey throughout this Miami GP. So Max started out in ninth. And
0: his original objective for the start, because he's in the middle of everybody, is just get away cleanly. like Don't get hit by anybody. Don't let someone pull a Nick DeVries on you. Just get through the first lap cleanly and let the cars get a little bit of separation so he can start picking him off. Well, he starts out basically just cutting through everybody like it's a knife, like a hot knife through butter. Uh, I think he got both Kevin Magnussen and Charles LeClaire in one turn going down the main street.
2: Um, and Although then he did fall back to 10th. I mean, but the start was clean.
0: Yeah, and then eventually I think it was, I want to say lap fifteen, he was already in second place or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he was joking about it with Fernando Alonso saying, Oh, you were so nice to me last time, saying lap twenty-five. Um, and he pretty much just cut through everybody. One, just showing his racecraft, two, the Red Bull is a rocket ship if anybody hasn't figured it out by now. Um, and three, he happened to have the right strategy. Um I think a lot of the teams didn't quite know which was the best tire going into this weekend. You know, they run a bajillion simulations and everything like that, but the end of the day, almost all that data can get thrown out of the window just from you know happenstance. And this week, he started out on the hard. Checo starts out on the medium. Now Max had started out on the hard tire, whereas Checo started on the medium. Now max ends up pitting on i think lap 46 yeah um and actually within two laps he had already passed Checo, who had to pit earlier to switch from the medium to the hard tire um after that you know it was pretty much a done deal uh it turned out that for once the hard tire was actually the fastest tire somehow um and you know for max you know, it was great showing his racecraft off, but it also kind of was just a pretty good roll of the dice. Um, Checo, I don't think there was honestly anything he was going to be able to do. Um, he couldn't have started on the hearts because pretty much everyone else around him started on the medium and they would have immediately overtaken him. And then it was pretty much done from there for him. Um, but you know, it was a big roll of the dice, I think. Um, I know Max and Max had said that he and his team had, you know, tried to consider all the variables and just kind of decided they were going to go for just a long clean stint, just trying not to get too far ahead of themselves, um, and it ended up working out.
2: I blame all of this on Pirelli again. Here's my weekly Pirelli rant. You know, last week I made the comment that Esteban Alcon and Nico Hulkenberg could have run those hard tires all the way through Miami, and yes, could have like. From those that listen frequently to this show, I do not use profanity that much, but this is the grat dig like the magnitude of this is that Pirelli has been dog shit this year. And in terms of the fact that. It's just we cannot have three compounds that are, you know, we have the total of five compounds, but they pick the three that are right next to each other. We can't have tires that the softs last 10 laps, the mediums last 30 laps, and the hards will last 50. This is just living in the great state of South Carolina. We have two tire manufacturers who would love to get their name in the hat and probably could put a better racing tire on the car than Pirelli is right now.
1: Who? What are those two manufacturers? Michelin and Continental,
2: and that's saying something for Continental tires. <laughs> man,
1: get the <laughs> fuck out of here, you New I mean, South Michelin, Carolina Michelin, can stick, that, Michelin yeah. can stick
0: to giving stars to restaurants.
1: Yeah, I'll
2: I'll that's take how it. Strongly, I feel about Pirelli, and that might just be me. like I may be taking this to an extreme, but we do have to acknowledge that over for- the two years, the tire, the parity in the types of tire compounds has grown. And I think it's doing a lot because like Pat said, Checo, there's no choice for him to start on the hearts. Like, even if we knew that the hearts were the tire to be, you're out in front and people are going to want to get a jump on you. You've got to get the soft tires to get that lead from the jump. So like, he has no choice in that. And Red Bull has no choice. Even say the roles were reversed and you have Max, who's in first and like, Obviously, Max is driving driving a little faster. But if Max is in first and he's still a championship leader, they're probably not putting him on hards out of, at first. And if Checo's in ninth, um,
1: <laughs> no, 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 no shot. But it also you get down to the weight. So F one, you don't refuel the car. Mm-hmm. And I think they said what three fucking I don't know. We were talking about the metric system, three something grams. Leads to three tenths of a second of a lap. And basically, the wear of the medium tire that Checo suffered was greater than the medium tire that Max suffered later on in the lap because Max had a lot less weight in the car because he had a lot less fuel. It makes sense. So it, it makes sense. But at the same time, I agree with Chandler what he's saying. The whole aspect of the this week was the c2 through the c4 so you had the c2 was a soft c3 was the medium c4 was the hard the c3 is
2: the true medium of the scale like it doesn't get it gets it's the right there in the middle point
1: whoever decides which compounds to use is a fucking schmuck i mean this guy is probably like pointing at which one he wants to choose because it doesn't really fucking matter. Every week, it's the same damn thing. It literally makes no difference at all. To to play devil's advocate, it is pretty hard
0: in Pirelli's defense to make a tire that lasts an exact window of time. Now, the problem with what they've done is that we had talked last week about how in 2021, there were all kinds of tires exploding because they couldn't handle how long they were supposed to. And I think Pirelli has corrected that, but now they've gone too far with it and just yeah. need to dial it back, which I don't know how they haven't picked up on this yet. Because like you said, Kyle, it's almost like they use the same compounds every single week. And we also never see where you know they switch the same compounds year to year for the same track. And you don't get any kind of variance almost ever. No, And in this case, it didn't really benefit any of the race fans
1: just because people were like, "Up, oh, I'll just cruise on hards for the rest of my life. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that was the big difference with this race. I think once you hit that lap 25, lap 30 mark, there was a huge just we're going to cruise. We're going to ride this out, whether you were on medium or hard, like you were pretty much on hard at lap 30, whether you were fresh on a hard tire or you were just extending the life of your hard tire, you were on a hard tire around lap 30. You were just cruising. You were hoping that it was going to work out. That was it. Whether that was the case or not, that happened, you know, you, you move into like, like you said, lap. 46, Max Verstappen pits on lap. Uh, Max Verstappen pits on lap 46. Lap 48, he passes Checo for the win. You know, he keeps going. It's just a parade of drivers. Nothing's really happening. There's only about 10 laps, nine laps left in the Grand Prix. You know, it is what it is. We thought there was going to be like a five-lap battle between Checo and Max. Checo's tires were fucking gassed at that point. There was no more grip left on them. He was just riding them out as much as he could. The only thing that happened later in that race was Fernando Alonso. I saw a meme earlier today where it was people like figuring out how to go to a Formula One race and all this stuff. One aspect was become an F1 driver for free to watch a big screen TV of the track, Fernando Alonso in turn one saw a trackside television screen of his teammate Lance Stroll at lap or at turn 11 passing someone. And he he radioed into Aston Martin and said, tell Lance I said great pass.
2: Then asked that was a great pass in a turn one. What, what was, uh, what place is he in? And they came back P13.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a fucking great pass. And Fernando Alonso is just over here. You know, he's like, he's over here just watching him pass. It's like, holy fuck, dude, you're going 200 miles an hour. Just looking at a TV as you pass by, seeing your teammate pass someone like what a fucking animal. And that's, that's why Taylor Swift loves him, bro. I mean,
2: I'll <laughs> go. Are you getting a Mr. Consistent now,
1: bro? He so Chandler, Chandler calls him Mr. Consistent because Fernando Alonso, after this race, he scored 15 points exactly 15 points in every single race of the season.
2: Race weekend,
1: race weekend. Is that Fair. that
2: was the thing? Is we were- that. Because
1: that shitty sprint weekend last yeah, weekend. Were
2: like, uh oh, what's going to happen with, uh, with him getting, um, with him, not, not finishing like
1: uh, on the podium, yeah, on the
2: podium in Azerbaijan, but guess what he made up for it with a sprint race. So we are at an even 75 through five races. That is, that is.
1: Yeah. Yep, exactly. So like I said, <laughs> Fernando passes or Fernando, like I said, Fernando is running his race, He's just cruising all by himself in third place and he sees his teammate <laughs> Lance Stroll turn 11 making passes saying great pass everybody. I love it. What a what a teammate, bro. I mean, two-time world champion, class act. You got to love the guy.
2: And and my thought, my take on it is that obviously he probably would not be not dozing off, but just casually glancing at us. If he knew that he could catch second or if he knew that he yeah. was in danger. Um, and then t- on top of that, what I think makes him feel so comfortable and relaxed behind it is there was a comment that came out after Saudi Arabia's after two races this year that Fernando Alonso basically said that whenever he signed with Aston Martin, the plans and like the objectives that they laid out when he signed his contract, like they're achieving 2024's mark in 2023. So they're already well ahead of the schedule. And he's, I think that he's really content with, if he could put up 15 points a week, that means he's finishing third, basically every week. Um, To give you the constructor standpoint. So it's actually right now a tight race. Um, You have Aston Martin's in second with 102 points. Mercedes is in third with 96 points. So it's, it's a tight race in third right now, but I feel like that if Lance picks up the pace a little bit like he had early on in the season, he needs to go break a couple of wrists again. Um, but, I mean, that'll be a dogfight to the end. That'll be truly, that'll be what we're what we're watching coming into the season as Mercedes versus Aston Martin.
1: Because third place, or second place and third place in the Constructors' Championship is millions of dollars mm-hmm. towards future you know, future cars, future plans towards the organization. I think it's very beneficial, especially as we move into the next Grand Prix. The next Grand Prix is the Qatar Airways Amelia Romagna Grand Prix. Whenever you say it, you have to do this. I don't know why. It's just uh, the f rules. rules. Uh, Pat, let me see your best what the f- Maybe it's the camera angle. I don't know. It's the camera angle. Give it again. It's the look. camera angle. It's the camera angle. All right. So, so Pat, Pat... Yeah, Pat's going to work on that a little bit. But while Pat works on that, Chandler, I just want to brag. You guys doubted me. Last <laughs> weekend, you guys said, oh, uh, Checo is the king of the streets. He's going to win both Chandler and Pat said that Checo was going to win the Miami Grand Prix. Well, I wanted him to win, but I, I'm i happy to announce that both these guys can suck my dick because Max Verstappen, my pick, he won the Grand Prix. So I'm going to pick first for can't, the... Can't
2: lie, though, made you sweat Saturday night, right?
1: Uh, not really. You know, if Max ain't coming from behind, he ain't coming, you know what I mean? <laughs> But for the Qatar Airways, Amelia Romagna Grand Prix, uh, we have qualifying Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time race weekend. The actual race is 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I am going to pick, yet again, Max Verstappen. The Red Bulls can't be stopped. That's it. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Max Verstappen, baby. Chandler, who's your pick for this next race?
2: See, I really wish you to come to me third
1: because I tough shit like, loser.
2: I feel like I have to pick Max. I I had a, I had a pick in the chamber ready to go if I was picking third and like it had Pat pick Max, I would have gone I'm to picking t- Max. You do what? I'm picking Max. You're picking well, Max.
0: There's no, no okay. reason not to.
2: Look, all right. right. One out, and we won't have the max curse. Like, I mean, y'all can. I'll take one for the team.
1: No, you said it, ladies and gentlemen. All three of us picked Max Verstappen to win the (laughs) Qatar Airways Amelia Romagna Grand Prix. Pat one last time. Before we sign out, let me see it. Hopefully, it's improved. Well, you want my Italianness? Well, it has not improved, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it do not for- improve. <laughs>
2: can I can I read my statement on my fanhood with McLaren? Please do. Okay, so I just want to go. Wait, on the-
0: wait, 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 wait. Do I need to get the world's smallest violin ready for this?
2: No, no. Okay, you can get a kick out of this. <clears throat> so this has a little bit of an inside joke. So if you followed Formula One from last year, you will just get- say
1: just say the fucking read it. I
2: understand that without my agreement that McLaren F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I will be a fan for them next year. Um, this is wrong, and I have not decided on a contract with the fanhood or with McLaren for 2023. I will not be driving our fanhood for McLaren next year. So I am on a free agency basis at this point. Um McLaren, I'm kind of like a restricted free agent. McLaren could just make it into Q3. Then I will con- next week at Ramon, at Ram- Imola, Ramana, Where? All right. Um, if they make it into Q3, I will be a McLaren fan that week. If they do not make it into Q3, then I'm a free agent. And by the end of the season, I will probably have a new team. But I am sick and tired of being sick and tired when it comes to McLaren.
1: Well, good news for our subscribers. Chandler has yet to buy any F1 gear. So
2: other than the McLaren gear I have. So well,
1: mm, he was given that for free. But anyways, okay. <laughs> anyways, let's move into the Qatar Airways Amelia Romagna Grand Prix. Pat, one last time before we sign off, please. No, no, no. We'll, we'll our, work on it. All right. Pat's gonna on work it. on his Italian movements. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to figuring out the formula. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to the next podcast.